Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you'd read along silent with me as I read this, it says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let me read that again. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. I see two things there, don't you? Two things. What two things are necessary, he says, to be saved? So confess and believe. Okay? Now, that's to put confidence in. That, that believe means I'm trusting that. This is, I've got confidence in that. And confess, as I've just told you before, that's the word which means to agree with, to say the same thing. Homo legeo, it means to say the same thing, use the same word. If, Jesus, if God has said that Jesus is Lord, confession is saying Jesus is Lord, right? That's what confession means. So he says, I must understand this, the person of my Savior, the person that Jesus is Lord. He is God come in the flesh. First thing I'm going to say with my mouth, I'm confessing that. I'm saying the same thing God says about it. And number two, I'm to believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Now notice that God is raising up Jesus. It's in the resurrection that I'm believing. Now watch this, kids. Crucifixions happened all the time back in that day. Lots of Jewish guys died by crucifixion. It's not the crucifixion we're trusting. It's the resurrection that we're trusting. Everybody follow that? Now, you can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion, so that's not to put down the crucifixion. That's not what I mean at all. But here's what I want us to understand. When we're focusing on the crucifixion, we're still at an immature state in our walk. We're still focusing on the fact that he died for me. If you leave him dead for you guys, you're going to always be saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But watch what the, if I focus on the resurrection, it's the resurrection that gave me new life. It's the resurrection that made me a child of God. It's the resurrection that proved my justification. Now I'm looking at my new life, not my old life. Does that make sense? So I'm confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am now saying that with my heart, I believe in the work of Jesus Christ, the person and the work. You see that? That's all over the Scripture. It's the person and the work. He said, He came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he the authority to become the children of God who were born, not of man, not of the flesh, nor the will of man, 
but we're born of God. Brothers and sisters, if you are born again, you are born of God. That's not a matter of enlisting in a church membership. That's not a matter of doing some rituals that make you feel good about yourself. That's about believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Believing in your heart that he is the son of God. Fair enough? I know that may sound like basic stuff, but having said that, that's our introduction. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Today, I'm going to take just the, the phrase that's given to us there, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want to speak three things that are shown from that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Father, thank you so much that your word is truth. Thank you so much who Jesus Christ is. Thank you that he is seated right beside you today, making prayer for us even now, making intercession for us and millions who are just like us across the whole world. Thank you that he has tasted death for every one of us. Thank you that he knows our sufferings and he is our worthy high priest. Thank you that Jesus is the Christ. And thank you that he is your son, eternal son, and we give you praise for that. We ask that the power of the gospel will be ours this day, that we'll hear, know, and understand that gospel. We ask that you'd bring us into a solid worship of you this day for knowing who Jesus is. I do pray for those who couldn't be with us this day. I lift up Glenda, Father, and I ask in Jesus' name, please bring healing to her and strength to her body. Pray for Catherine Pilger and ask that you'd raise her up, Father, giving strength to her. And for Versi, that you'll raise her up. Thank you for what you're going to do with her. Thank you for the way in which you have loved all of these ladies. And thank you for the healing that's coming. Thank you that you are Yahweh Rapha, the Lord our healer. And we look to you because you say you heal all our diseases. We trust in you. We have no one else that we can trust in, Father. And you are the one true God. And we gladly trust in you. Thank you for letting us have that privilege. We do pray for our missions, Father, and for all the people who are learning through the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> about the Lord Jesus Christ, and through the Spirit of God, through the preaching and teaching. Thank you for brothers like Yajak and Ranjan. Thank you for brothers like Kelly's. Thank you for the brothers like the Portugals. Thank you, Father, for others who are ministering all over this world. Thank you for Marty Zide and the ministry that goes on in St. Louis. Thank you, Father, for those who work diligently to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to all kinds of people all over the world. We ask you to continue to give that gospel the power that you've given it from the very beginning and let Jesus Christ be known among all. Thank you for the day in which Jesus Christ will return, and we look forward to his coming. So we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We do ask, Father, that you'll hallow your name, that you'll teach people to speak it with reverence and awe and respect. Thank you for that. Thank you for the way you provided for us every day. Thank you for the mercy that you show to us. Thank you for the way in which when Jesus comes, the, the world will be corrected, and we give you praise for that. Now, thank you for what you're going to do as you open our hearts and our minds that we might learn the truth. Thank you for it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, we are looking now. At Mark chapter 1, Jesus Christ, <coughs> Son of God. First of all, Jesus is the humanity of Christ. 
So let's talk about two parts of that, the evidence of it and the necessity of it. Why is, is, there, is there evidence that Jesus is, the, is a human? Yes, there is. There is his birth and maturity. His birth was a normal birth. Yes, his conception was different, but his birth was a normal birth. He comes into this world just like every other human being does. Now, why is that important? Because he's not just somebody that appeared out of somewhere. He's not just a figment of imagination. Can I say Jesus existed in the Old Testament also? But there he was the angel of the Lord. There he's not uh, born into this world. He's coming directly from the Father. And he's showing himself to Moses, to Abraham. He showed himself to a variety of others, the angel of the Lord. But not this time. This time he's coming into the world like every other human being did. And Luke records some really special stuff about that. With that special stuff, he, he reminds us that not only did he come into this world like everybody else, but he had to grow like everybody else. Jesus had to learn Hebrew. Can you imagine that? The Son of God has to learn Hebrew. He has to learn just like everybody else does. And it's through that learning that he discovers he is the Son of God, the Messiah. You say, discovers it, he learns it. Everybody follow me? Because he's a man of faith, he's a man of obedience, he is learning. I am the Messiah. I see that from the Word of God. And he's understanding it more and more. And as he's understanding that more and more, he's growing in wisdom, in stature, in maturity, and in favor with God and man. People knew him. Matter of fact, the people in that village that he came from, Nazareth, they have to say it one day, who is this guy that's talking here? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? That's his humanity. They're recognizing him as human. He had normal human needs and conditions. He was, uh, it was recognized that he suffered, he thirsted, he hungered, just like every other human. He had to sleep, just like every other human did. Jesus was a human. He had to suffer and die. If he wasn't human, there couldn't be a suffering to it, but he suffered. He was beaten, and he felt every bit of that beating. He died on a cross and felt every bit of that. He felt all the whipping, and he felt, as a human does, he felt the rejection of all the people who were around him. He came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. He knows, look, if you're a person who feels like, I've been rejected, I feel like people don't like me very much, then you're in a good place with the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole lot of people didn't like him much at all. Matter of fact, uh, at least this, nobody's planning your death right now, but they planned his from the beginning. They were looking to reject him. And even your own disciples, even those guys that you are with, don't get you. They don't understand you. It's going to take them almost three years to finally figure out, after watching every miracle that he did, everything that he did, every work that he did, it takes them almost three years to figure out, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And even when it, they make that confession, Jesus has to say to them, you didn't get that out of your own thinking. My Father revealed that to you. Listen, Jesus is a human being. He had to feel everything that you and I did. And can I say this? He had to have complete dependence on God. Complete dependence on God, just like every other human. He didn't know where his next meal was coming from. He didn't know where he was going to lay his head that night. 
He had complete dependence on God that God would take care of him. And God did. Okay? So what's the necessity of it? Why does he have to be a human? Well, number one, to restore the broken relationship with God. To, dis- dis- to uh, restore a broken relationship with God. Look, it was a human back here in the garden. It was a human that broke that relationship with God. And every human after that was in a broken relationship with God. That human broke that relationship. It required a human to restore that relationship. Jesus is that human that restored that relationship. He reconciled us to the Father. He's going to pay for our transgre- not our sins, our transgressions, and our iniquity. He is going to take our iniquity, the twist that we have away from God, and put that on himself and die for the twist that's away from God. He's paying for our lives. He's creating a restored humanity. He's not just making a place for you in heaven. He's creating a whole new people. Oh, I can't wait till we get to that one. We'll come to that in just a little bit. A whole new people. It's to be a model and example of what restored humanity had to be. He is showing us what perfect faith is. He's showing us what obedience is. He's showing us this is the way I'm expecting you to live. This is the way I'm making a way for you to live. I'm going to put my own spirit in you so that you can carry this out. I'm expecting you to have perfect faith, mature faith. I'm expecting you to trust me. I know that's going to take some time, but I have time with you. I'm going to grow you. I'm convinced of this, young, my brothers and sisters. Back here in the garden, when Adam was made, God intended to have that good union with him, just like he was going with Jesus Christ. That he intended to teach him what was right and what was wrong, how to be a child of God. If he had not, if that man had not declared his own independence and said, I don't like that process, I'm going to go with this process. This says there's a shortcut to being like God. That shortcut to being like God is eating what you told me I can't eat. That declaration of independence, that act of independence, that act of saying, I'll learn a different way, broke the relationship the way he was going to teach us the way we were going to learn. Matter of fact, the way we were going to learn is the same discipleship process you're in right now. He was going to be with us in a union and watch us go through and name animals. Watch us go through and turn wilderness into Garden of Eden. He was going to watch us as we created and innovated things just like he did. And he as a father was going to delight in that and we were going to learn right and wrong from him. But instead, we chose that shortcut way. We chose to do it our own independent way. And we're cursed in that this day. We still want to do it our own independent way. Let me go another step. To be a model and example of what restored humanity had to be. Perfect faith and obedience. Can I, if I can say it this way. He is going to make us Elohim. You hear me? He's going to make us Elohim. You say, wait a minute, that's the word for God. Watch. Back here when God created the heavens and the earth, you recall that he called the sons of Elohim, Elohim. 
that all those angelic beings were Elohim too. But they're created Elohim, not essentially Elohim. He's not created. The Son is not created. He is essentially God. And from that, he's creating things that are called Elohim. When you have been born again, friend, that's what he has for you. How do I know that? What's he call you? To as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to become what? Children of God. What do you think that means? That's not just words said into the wilderness. You're a child of God. John would say it this way, Beloved, what manner of love is this that we should be called the sons of God? The whole world is waiting right now for the revelation of the sons of God. That is the adoption of our bodies, the renewal of us. When that resurrection takes place, that whole creation is waiting for that. And you're going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ with whom you are in a union. Uh, more about that in just a moment. <clears throat> to be the representative of reconciled humanity as the one mediator between God and man. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, that Jesus, there is one, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He has to be a man to be our mediator, to be the one that's between us and Almighty God. So Jesus has to be that mediator. Number four, to taste of suffering and death, all humans, that he would have complete knowledge of us. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Write that down there. Because that Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 says that though the children were like flesh, he was like them, that he might be called their brother, that he might taste of death for every person, that he might know our sufferings and could be our great high priest because of what he suffered for us. Number five, to be the perfect sacrifice for redemption, the substitute sacrifice. He has to be a human. In order for there to be a sacrifice for the world, he has to be a human. And Jesus is that substitute sacrifice. When he's dying on that cross, he is in the air between heaven and earth. And he is the mediator there that's dying between heaven and earth and reconciling all things in heaven and earth <clears throat> as the perfect sacrifice because he is the Son of God, the obedient and faithful one. Number six, to be the ruler of all creation originally intended for humanity. Here's what Adam was supposed to do. This first Adam was supposed to rule over all things, but eventually, because of sin, that whole thing is not under us. Matter of fact, ultimately, the animals are going to be afraid of us, not being taken care of by us, and we're going to begin eating them. Everything is changed, and it's going to be a mess after that. Jesus has come in order that he might be the intended ruler for all humanity. He is God's chosen one for that. And number seven, to be the human and the lineage of David who would sit on the throne of the eternal kingdom. David was promised back here that there will be one who comes from your line whose kingdom will be forever. He has to be somebody from the line of David. He has to be somebody that's in that family line. And Jesus comes in that family line, both from Joseph, his adopted father, and from Mary. 
He's in the line of David, so he is the son of David. But I want you to notice, too, I, I hope you've, you've followed that humanity there. Let's go now to Christ, the anointed one. Christ, the anointed one. The word Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word, Messiah. And Messiah, both and, and Christ, both mean anointed. That is, chosen, poured upon. The one that you're saying, this is the one who's going to be everything for everything. All right? Let's, let's look at the prophetic importance of that. Let's kind of work our way through life here. Let's go back here to the garden. When we're back here in the garden, Adam and Eve have sinned, and God is saying to Satan and to Eve, something's going to happen here. I am going to put enmity, he says to Satan. I'm going to put uh, an enemyship between you, your seed, and her seed. So somebody's coming from Eve that's going to be in a direct enemy relationship with his seed, Satan's seed. And this one, it says, he says to Satan, your seed will bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. So the Adams, this, the Christ is the one chosen to crush the head of the adversary. Move forward. Now I come to Abraham. And Abraham selected, he's given a land, he's given a blessing, he's given a promise of things that are coming, and he's told this, a seed will come for you that will bless all the nations. That's a thing that's repeated all through Israel, all this time like this, somebody's coming, a king is coming, a great one is coming, I have chosen one, he's coming, all right? So the promise... The prophetic importance was he is the fulfillment of the promised seed of Eve and the promised seed of Abraham. Number two, he's the one chosen to be the son of God and rule the nations as his inheritance. Turn to Psalm 2 with me, would you? Psalm 2. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 2. Well, I'll get there pretty soon. That's in the Old Testament, right? Yeah. All right. Right at, oh. Have you got the right Bible? Oh, okay. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his, what? Anointed. Against his Messiah. So the whole world is against God and his son, or I'm sorry, the anointed one. Now watch what it says. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. God is saying, what a foolish thing that is. Why, why are you raging like that? Why do you think you can stand against me and my anointed? I have an anointed. I have one that I've chosen. Watch what he says about him. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them with his, in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Hold on. This written back here in our timeline. And he's saying, I've already set my king on his holy hill. I've set him on Mount Zion. Kids, there's not a Mount Zion yet. That's out here. This God has said, I've already set my king up here. This is all of you in here raging. Do you see anything laughable in that? He does. 
how do you think you're going to change history? He goes, here's what I have. I'm in charge of history, by the way. Oh, did I tell you I'm in charge of history? Yeah, I'm in charge of history. And here's what I'm telling you. I've already set my king in my holy mountain. Watch. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Taken up and against his anointed, he tells us very plainly, my anointed is the king that I've already anointed and set on that, that hill in Zion. And that king, by the way, is my son. That's Jesus Christ. And you go to number three on, on the next page. The one chosen to be the savior of his people. Look at Isaiah 49. Oh, this is beautiful. Look at Isaiah 49. So make sure you're turning it. This is good stuff, kids. If you don't turn there, write it down. But I think it's better for you to turn there because I could read anything. I could read it and be reading the wrong thing to you. I want you to know what it says. 49 verses 5 to 9. Here's what it says. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him. What's he going to do? Bring Jacob back to him, right? The Lord formed me when I was from the womb to be his servant, so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles. So, yeah, I'm going to save Israel, and you're going to be the guy that saves him. But, you know, that's just a small group. I'm going big. I'm going to make you a light to the Gentiles, he goes on to say, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and rise. Princes also shall worship, because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, has chosen you. See that chosen? That's anointed. That's the one who has been chosen by God. Verse 8, thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people. See what he's saying to the Lord Jesus Christ? To restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritage, that you may say to the prisoners, go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. That's his chosen one. He has chosen him to be the Savior of his people and the Savior of the Gentiles. Number four, he's the one anointed to bring good news. While you're in Isaiah, let's go over to 61. Isaiah 61. In Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. That's our Messiah again. To preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, and the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Jesus read this passage of Scripture in his hometown synagogue. And when he read it, he closed it up and sat down and said these words, This day... This word is fulfilled in your presence. I'm this one. That's who I am. He's telling you, I am the one who does this. I have been anointed. I am chosen by God. This is why I'm here. Let me go on to the next one. The one chosen to be the judge of all humanity for all time. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, The Father has committed all life to the Son. He has said to the Son, All judgment is yours. I will be judging you. And Jesus makes this statement in John 12. My word will judge you in the end. I came now not to judge anyone. I've come now to give everlasting life. But the day will come when my judgment comes. Why? Because I am that chosen one. In Acts chapter 17, Paul, talking to all the the Greeks that were gathered up there on Mars Hill, he said to them this, God has called all men everywhere now because he's not an idol. He's not an image. He is the one true living God that created all things because that's what he is. This living God has called all men everywhere to repent. He's been looking at the foolishness of your idolatry. He's done with it. He's calling all men everywhere to repent, and he's judging all men everywhere by this man whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, the Son of God. That's who Jesus is. He's the one that's going to be judging all of humanity. Number seven, the one anointed to be the suffering servant who would take away their sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. By his stripes we are healed. Listen, that's the one who was anointed to take our sin away. Jesus is the Christ. Well, let's go on. Let her be. What's the people's expectation? Knowing these promises from the Word of God, the people were looking for two messiahs, one to take away their sin and another to defeat their enemies and set up their kingdom. So here's all these prophecies right here. This period before the cross, this period before Christ's coming, here are all these prophecies that deal with what we've just shared with you here. This is what Messiah is going to do. We know it has to come from David. We know he's going to be born in Bethlehem. We know it's going to be 400 and whatever years before it gets to the coming of Messiah. We know Messiah is going to be cut off. We know all those things to be true. But how is it going to work? How can he be the son of God? Because we know it's what Psalm 2 said. How can he be a suffering servant and at the same time, be the ruler. I mean, he's got to die. We know he's going to die. That's what it tells us. So what they decided was, since that can't possibly be true, we've got to have one Messiah that takes away sin, 
let him die and pay for the sin. And we've got to have another Messiah that's going to come in and really clear up the world. And it'll be the whole political change. The whole world's going to be his dead. They didn't give an account of was that Jesus would come and do both those things. Separated by time, yes. Here at the cross, he would take away sin. But out here, at the end of it, he would come and be the last king of the last kingdom. Everybody follow me? That's in Daniel. Did I, did I give you that one? I don't remember telling you that one. I should have. Yeah, the one chosen to be eternal king of the last kingdom on earth. You can write Daniel 7, 13, and 14. That was number five. I don't think I used that one, but nonetheless. The people had an expectation. And here's what its meaning is for history. This is not just about a Jewish thing. Remember when we read that he's not only going to save his people, God says, that's too small. I'm going to take in the whole world. I'm going to take in all the Gentiles too. So what does his coming back again represent? What does his being chosen represent? That the whole world will answer to him. That he will be the ruler of the whole world. Every last part of it. He's the ruler of it all. And that's its meaning to every one of us. Now, if I can say, that's the one you put your trust in to pay for your sin and take you to heaven. Now, I want to stop just for a moment. Kids, that's too small a picture. If that's all you're hoping in, you've missed the gospel because he's making a whole new people. It's not just that he wants to take you to heaven where you can sit on a cloud. No, he's creating a whole new people that will fulfill everything he planned here will be planned here. And it's going to take a whole new people who are in union with him. That union is going to be just like the union he has with the Father. That's what your future is about. Let me go on another step further. Let's go to number three. We've seen Lord or Jesus Christ, now Son of God, the deity of Christ. His preexistence and eternality. Here's what I mean. John 1 1 tells us this. In the beginning was the Word. Back here when this whole thing started, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. So it's face to face with God. So you have Father and Son face to face. And the Word was God. Guess what, kids? That puts him back here. He's before all things. That's what John 1's telling us, what Colossians chapter 1. He's before all things. He's back here in what we call eternity past. How foolish is that? I can't have eternity past. That's because I don't know how to do it any different. Time starts here. He's before time. So here's where he is. It's him that, as the Father speaks, is creating those things. It's the Holy Spirit that's giving them life. So you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit doing this creative thing over and over again. Just imagine the joy they must have had saying, land, and here's what Jesus creates. Here's land, and now it's living. It's got stuff in it that's alive. Bring forth vegetation. It brings vegetation. They've got to be having a great time. At least I, I, the sons of God are enjoying it. They're singing songs about it. 
They're saying, wait, that's water. Whoa, what is that? It's called land. Land? That's cool. Whoa, what's that? It's blooming. It's got things coming up. So you're going to sing some songs about that. And that's what they sang. They're happy. They're joyful. Do you follow that? That's, that's what all creation. That was back here. That was planned. He existed before all that. He's the one who brought all that into being. Another step. He's eternal. He, he, he's not a created thing. Arius thought that uh, we'll just, he's one of the created things. No, he isn't. Angels are a created thing. He is not. He always was. And that was John's whole point. The Word always was. Just like the Father always was. There isn't a point at which he's created. All right? Let's go to number letter B. His essence is the same as the Father. Jesus said this, I and the Father are one. We're one stuff. Jesus says in his prayer, glorify me, Father, with the glory that I had with you before the earth began. Well, wait a minute. If the earth begins right here, and he's asking the Father to glorify him with the glory he had back here, then Jesus is God, and they're of the same essence, the same stuff. All right? Let's go on a step further. Letter C, his pre-incarnation appearances. He is known as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Now, one of the things we know is different about him. He's not like some of the other angels. Some of the other angels bring a message, and somebody says they're going to bow down and worship him. And they say, get up. You can't do that. But when it's the angel of the Lord, they bow down, and he receives that worship. He speaks to Moses out of the burning bush. It's him Moses is seeing. It's him Abraham is seeing. But he's not a human. He's the messenger of the Lord. That's called pre-incarnate. That's a Christophany. That's a theophany. That's God appearing before. So before all of this incarnation that takes place with him, he was already, he's the one who was following Israel through the wilderness. He's the one who was in the pillar and in the cloud. He's the one that was feeding them. Remember we read earlier here, he said, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate that manna. I am what you were eating there. I am what was there. That's his pre-incarnate state. That's before he becomes a person. But as we've seen already, he did become a person. Letter D. His miraculous conception and birth. He's conceived by the Holy Spirit. That was not a normal conception. The birth was normal, but not the conception. The conception is done by the Holy Spirit of God. And to show how much more that was, all the angels worship him when he's born. As soon as he comes, look, if he was not God, the angels would not be worshiping that. They're not stupid. They know you don't worship anything that's not God. But here they're seeing him in a new form. Imagine this. The one they have been worshiping, the word that they have been worshiping before, the one who's an angel of the Lord at times, and at times he's back to being the word again. And now they're looking and they're seeing him in that baby in the manger. He's not limited by space. He's not, he's not in any way limited by what geography is. He is there, and they're worshiping. They're telling those shepherds, you've got to see this. We're seeing it, and this is a gorgeous thing. A, a, a Savior is born to you 
in that. You'll find them wrapped in swaddling clothes. Got to go see it. And the shepherds went to see it. And they knew this is different. Even though the birth was the same, even though it looks, still looks like a little baby, there's something different about that. Angels don't usually announce the birth of babies. Further, his miracle-filled life of doing what only God could do. Guys, this is just so wonderful that Jesus could do only what God could do. I, I love that miracle of the loaves and the fish. I love watching that because only God can do that. Only God can reach into a basket and pull a fish out of it. Now, once you get, I don't know, we've been through this before, but don't you see how important this is? I, I, I don't know how many rings the first tree had in it, but I'm thinking it had a lot. It had the appearance of age. You follow me? Remember, rings in trees are there because of years of growth. How many rings were in that first tree? I think there were several. Because God made them with the appearance of age. Here's why I think that's what it is. When he's got that basket of fish, I know where the first what, two fish came from. I understand what that is. I, I, I know the process. You know, you've got to have little eggs that get to be fertilized and they get to grow up and they get to be little minnows and then from minnows they get to be this and they get to be that and then they grow up big enough to be caught in a net and be brought in and then you got to take them into the house and you got to clean them and then you got to put all, if you skin them, you skin them. If you don't, you just you cook and then you put them in the oven and they got to bake. How long does it take? Quite a while. It takes a while for them to grow up. I know where fish two came from. I know where fish one came from because the kid brought it with him. But when I see fish three, wait a minute, wait a minute. Fish three is just as meaty as fish two, just as wholesome as fish two, just as delightful as fish one, just as bony as both of them. And he's bringing it out. And then it's four. And I know that fish three through whatever never were in the water. Never got to be a minnow. Never got caught in a net. Never got cleaned. Never made it to the bakery. Never made it to the oven. But I do know this. It's just the same kind of fish. Can I tell you something? Only God can do that. Now, just take an extension and pull out the bread. Yep, you got it. I know that's bread that never was seed. I know it never grew up in a field. I know that it never got harvested. I know it never got ground. I know it never turned to flour. I know it never had oil mixed with it and got to be bread. But I know there it is, loaf six. Same age, same stuff. You follow what I'm saying? Only God does things like that. Only God can speak to broken limbs and have them changed. Only God can speak to a spirit and say, come out. And he has to do it. Only God can say to the wind, stop. And say to the sea, slow down. Stop it right now. Kids, I don't know. If you've ever been in the water... 
when waves come and go, they, they don't just go. They keep moving. He says, stop. And it stops. And what's more, it says, and they found themselves at land. Yeah? Only God can walk on water, kids. Jesus did things that nobody else could do. His authority over all things. His authority over creation. I mean, when you can speak to a tree and say die, and it has to die. When you speak to something else that's said to live, and it lives, kids, that's authority. The authority that only God can have. Okay, so what's our response? Our response, guys, has to be adoration. All day adoration. Not just, not just every now and then, all day. It is to be able to say, Lord Jesus, you really are awesome. You are God in the flesh. You are God in, in God. You are the Christ. You're the chosen one. You're everything the Word of God said. I adore you. I worship you. I praise you. I'm glad to be with you. It's real worship in spirit and truth. Look, our response has got to be this way. You were bought and purchased, guys. If you've known enough to know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that just like it said in Romans 10, you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is that Lord, and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you have been born again, friend. You have been saved. And you're on your path to being made into a child of God, a son of God. God gave you that birth. And that draws you in not only to adoration, but into humility. You're not, you didn't create yourself. You didn't bring yourself into this. He, he is the one who brought you into not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but of, not of blood, but of God. That's who gave you birth. Total humility and thanksgiving. It's unending obedience and submission. It's prayer to him all day long. It's to stop thinking about all the things that you think are bothering you. It's, it's to put away those things and say, wait a minute, Lord Jesus, I know this. There are things that bother me, but you're in charge. I know you're fully in charge. If you can say to wind, stop, and it does, and you can say to demons, get out, and they do, you are in charge of my bank account. You are in charge of how, whether my wife and I are going to make it or not. You are in charge, and I have complete confidence in you. I'm resting in you, for you are that one. You're not your own anymore, guys, and you're in process. You're becoming just like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's conforming you to that image. He's making you like that, and here's why, how, what that affects you. Look, everything you're going through, Every little thing that you think is bothering you, every little thing that you think is, oh, I wish I was past this. Can I tell you, Jesus was going through the same kinds of things, and he went through them with faith. So must you. He knew this. My father's in charge. My father has already promised me I'm going to die. 
My father's already promised me I'm going to suffer. My father's already said that the day would come we wouldn't be together, that I would be separated from him. But my father has promised that beyond that, I will have all of you. Beyond that, I will have new life. Beyond that, I'll be raised from the dead. Beyond that, I'll be the king forever. Beyond that, I have the rule over all the heavens and the earth. I can do this. The sufferings of this age are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Follow me? So know this. When you're going through those things that are irritants, can I tell you why you're going through them? Because he wants you to respond just like Jesus would. He said, I can't. I'm not like Jesus. Wrong. He gave you a new person. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you his promises. You are fully equipped. Don't say, I can't do it, unless you're going to say, I can't, but hallelujah, Jesus can. <laughs> then you can say it. But if you're saying, I can't do it because you're dependent on you, then grow up. Repent and get real. It's not you anymore, kids. Remember what he said? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. Either that's true or it's not. And if it's true, then believe it and get with the program. Christ is in you. That's the hope of glory. That's what we have. That's our response. That, that, mean, that means when, when, when I'm not with the brothers and sisters of Christ, I am rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That means when I am with the brothers and sisters of Christ, I'm rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Setting's not going to make any difference. I look forward to the day when we meet together and we'll be like it is in heaven, that everybody's coming in with that same set in their mind. I am thankful to be here today. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters here, we're going to have a good time together worshiping God. We're going to adore Jesus who gave us all this brand new life. We're children of God. Rise above the muck of this world. Get out of it. That's not your world. You're not of this world. You are of God. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that he is to us. Thank you for the things he's given to us, the things which are freely given to us. Thank you for the fact that if you gave his only begotten son, what else would you not give? We praise you today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, maybe today you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You, you haven't realized that he, who he really is. You, you've thought about it. It's, it's some kind of church thing. No, it isn't. The church exists because of him, not the other way around. The church exists because Jesus Christ is Lord. So I want to encourage you to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Quit fooling around with anything else. Nothing else is ever going to take you. This is the last and final thing. You must trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you today to do just that. God bless you in this day. You are a fully equipped and gifted people. You have been given a blessing from Almighty. But I'm going to encourage you to do this. Don't focus on your problems this week. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, would you? Now, I didn't share this with you, but 
I've been listening to something that's been pretty significant to me. And one of the things it did, it said that in the Eastern Church, they repeat a prayer. It's called the Jesus Prayer. And all it says is this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And then it's done a third time. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. I thought, that'd be, that'd be crazy to go around repeating something like that all day. However, here's what I do know. If I say, boy, that Biden is something else. Boy, that Biden is something else. Ooh, that Biden is something else. Oh, that Trump, he's, oh, he's nuts. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to think about that junk, which is going nowhere. But if my focus is when I stop, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Change it however you want. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have your grace and peace with me today. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, bless that guy. Keep Jesus Christ in your reference the whole time. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, we're going to have life chain here. Uh, I think everybody was at uh, quarter, quarter to two, I think is what I was told. Quarter to two. So everybody meet here at quarter to two. Uh, it's, it's a simple thing. One hour of your life. Just one way for you to be able to say to people, there is another option. Abortion is deadly. It kills moms. It kills dads. It kills babies. It kills musicians. It kills poets. It kills doctors. I don't know what those kids were going to be. But we want to say, Stop. Stop the killing. It's nuts. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for life that's in him. We ask your blessing to rest upon our time yet this day. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, stop the killing. Bring us to life everlasting and bring us to a place where we are, are the children of God, not just simply acting like the children of God. Thank you for what you're going to do and the way you're going to do it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Oh, by the way, uh, before you go, I know Al rang this bell this morning, and it, it, it did wake everybody up for a few, <laughs> few seconds here. I want to share with you what that bell is. That bell has been with the church for years. Every fourth Sunday, we used to take a Joe Ash offering. That's how everything was paid for. That's how the building and all that was paid for. And every fourth Sunday, we would take a Joe Ash offering. When that offering met the goal that we had, we, we had some enormous payments, like $5,800 a month that we were paying out. And when that was met, we rang the bell. We didn't always get to ring the bell when there was like 70 of us. But we did get to ring it. After a while, we made a deal uh, with one another. I shouldn't say deal. We, we agreed with each other that we'd stop going in debt and that we'd never go in debt again. Guys, after that, I can't tell how many times we rang that bell. There were offerings at times that were $49,000. There were offerings at times $16,000, $20,000, $11,000. And we got to ring that bell. And, guys, what God did took a 30-year loan and brought it down to 11. And the whole thing paid off in 11 years. We rang that bell a lot. So they brought it back out. They found the bell, so they brought it back out again. 
who knows what we'll ring it for now. But if it's nothing more than to draw us all together and be together, hallelujah. If it's nothing more to wake us up, then praise the Lord. All right. God bless you. Get out of here. Go away. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.